Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello, and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. Welcome along. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another edition. Now, today I'm uh, really privileged to have somebody with me that I've been trying to get onto the podcast for a little while. And as always with somebody who's busy and successful, you have to be patient. Um, so I'd like you to uh, welcome Abby Carrington. And Abby is currently head of player care at Swansea City Football Club. Um, she is also, I believe, a consultant at Beyond the White Line which hopefully we can touch on. Um, I know she was Academy Player Care Lead and Welfare Officer at Nottingham Forest Football Club. Um, I also know that she's a coach and she's worked in grassroots and non-league football. Um, I believe she's got an MSc in sports coaching from Loughborough. Um, she's studied exercise, sport and exercise science at Durham. And um, and I've just been speaking to Abby and she um, confirms that she's also, you know, brave enough to be doing a PhD at Sheffield Hallam. Um, she's also an author and written um, various publications. So um, we have somebody with us who's highly successful at what she does. She's at the cutting edge. So I'd like you to uh, welcome Abby. So Abby Carrington, welcome to the Leader Manager Coach. Thank you, Rob. I like that you uh, made me like I was playing hard to get there to get on the podcast. <laughs> no, no, it's just when, you, when people are busy, yeah? Yeah, no, it was lovely. Thank you. It's a very nice introduction. And I think that made me realise some element of maybe an overachiever in there at some point. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> blimey, it just reads fantastically well. And if anything's wrong, I do apologise. Please put me Perfect. put me right. But um, anybody who's, you know, done a master's at Loughborough, um, is involved in a PhD and is you know, working at the highest level in in, uh, in in English football, UK football, Welsh football, you know, um, blimey, you, you're making it happen. So, Abby, just tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of, look, how, you, you, you know, you, you, you're a, a head of player care at Swansea. Just tell us a little bit about your journey and, and how you got to there, because it's not something that um, everybody's done. Yeah, so obviously you touched on there, Rob. I came from a coaching background, so following from my undergraduate degree, graduated from Durham, knew that I very much wanted to go into working in the, not even necessarily football, but the sport sphere as such, and went on to do my master's at Loughborough, really enjoyed it, really enjoyed the, probably going from a very practical element of coaching when I was coaching teams at Durham to actually doing the more theoretical side of coaching, which I hadn't touched on before, and, and it it got the cogs going. So I was thinking, I've really enjoyed this. Following graduating from Loughborough, still wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do. So I took a job out in the States working for a company called UK International Soccer, um, who I still help and work very closely with. Great company. Um, they take coaches out essentially to you work with either club soccer, you work with, you know, rec soccer, depending on sort of the level that you're working at. But for me, that was a really good opportunity to spend every day, you know, coaching, getting that hands-on experience where we all know when you're in the UK, even Europe, 
it can be really hard to get a full-time coaching position. So I think I probably thought I was a good coach before I went out to the States. And then after working with kids from literally three all the way up to to 20-year-olds, I developed massively, not just as a coach, but as a person as well, that cultural experience of living somewhere else. Following on from that, I came back. I would have liked to have stayed out in the States, but I had ambitions to do perhaps something a little bit more. Decided that I was going to coach for a little bit longer, but I didn't know if it was 100% full-time coaching that I wanted to go into. I took a job in Greece, um, moved there for a few months, turned out not to be what I wanted. And I think it cemented for me that I definitely wanted to work in football. I didn't think that was probably as a full-time coach anymore. So I kind of had to figure out in what capacity I could work in in, in that area. A couple of months later, I took, you know, in between that time of coming home from Greece, I took a few months off to really not force myself to make a decision. So was just browsing jobs at that point, took a little part-time job, job just to tie me over. And this was August of 2019, came across a few job adverts titled Player Care. And I was thinking, I've never heard of that before. You know, I've been around football for a long time and I, and I don't really know what that entails. So I did, I mean, I did research on it, but there was very, very little out there about it because it didn't really exist at that point. Or if it did, it was born out of Player Liaison, which it, you know, I feel like Player Liaison was probably the founding father of player care but it's kind of branched out from that now so I was reading these job descriptions and it was saying very much a pastoral role where you're helping develop the players but you're developing them off the pitch it's it tied into a lot of my key strengths I've always considered myself a people person so that was a huge one for me I thought about my experience playing and coaching and the real areas of those sort of roles that I enjoyed was getting to know the players, working as part of a team, yeah. helping others get to, you know, yeah. where they need to be and fulfill their potential. And I kind of put two and two together and thought, I actually think this is like my dream job. So I've still got the capacity to work with the players, but there's not the performance demands of being a coach, which I think if you come from a coaching background, you know, can be particularly stressful, especially if you're working with elite teams as I was at university and stuff. Although it's about development, results do matter. So, mm. so yeah, so it kind of came up and I thought, I took my name in the hat and went for an interview at Forest was lucky enough to be narrowed down. And then I believe it came down to two of us and sort of swung in my favour that one, probably having a female in the environment, which there wasn't a lot at the time. Also, that nurturing aspect and my experience of, I've lived in a host family myself. I've gone and lived away from home. I've played the game. I've coached. I kind of understood everything that the role entailed. So went on to do that, worked at Forest for three years, loved every second of it, really couldn't have asked for a better club to start my journey with. Um, very, very grateful. They still hold a very special place in my heart. And then up to, I started my PhD this time last year, October time. And for me, that was very much about 
I've always been a bit of a geek when it comes to research and wherever I'm working and I'm always looking to improve. So I'm constantly reading, researching, looking for things where, you know, we I can grow as a person, but also in whatever I'm doing. So decided to do a PhD and looking at basically player care practices and organisational cultures. So how does the organisational culture of a football academy, which we know is very different to other organisations, how does that impact how we deliver player care, essentially? So that's what the PhD is looking at. And then came to the end of my first year, obviously not long back, but just before that sort of August time again, seems to be my like key transition period, August. I saw the the Swansea job and and knew a few people that worked down here. Thought, I think that's the logical next step for me. Come in, start this department kind of from scratch, um, from where it had been previously, and grow as a department. So it not just be one person, but we've we've created this four person, five person team, and doing player care from. For, for the whole club essentially so it was a really good logical step for me in terms of progression and yeah that's obviously where I'm up to so as I said to you Rob before we came on really enjoying it it's been a, a big big project big undertaking over the first couple of months but we're starting to fall into a really nice place now and I'm hoping that now we've got what's another word for manpower I feel like that's very misogynistic <laughs> but we've got the team now that can the personnel. There you go, personnel. We've got the personnel now that can really give the players exactly what they need. So it's not it's not limited by time or resources because we have that now. So I think we're in a position which I'm very grateful for because I know other clubs are not in that position. I mean, I went from Forest doing it completely on my own to a team of, you know, four of us. So it's it's quite incredible. And I think what we're going to be able to offer as we grow is really going to be, I don't want to say life-changing and make it sound, you know, but, but it's utopic. We're really looking for that utopic vision of, you know, we want to we want players to come here and feel comfortable, grow, are really happy and they thrive in this environment. And, and hopefully that's something that, that this yeah. team and this club can give them. Wow. You've really, blimey, Abby, um, we could talk for hours on all this because you, you probably saw me jotting a couple of things down as you're speaking. And, and there's so many things about that you've mentioned that are just so worth exploring. Um, it, right. So l- let's start with where you are. Um, it's quite a novel. It's quite a, um, a new, if I can thing to to be even concerned about this creation of this safe utopic culture i mean go back 10 years a decade which is absolutely nothing in evolutionary terms i mean you know we talk about societies evolving over thousands of years and human beings evolving as, as a species over millions of years you know so let's get it in perspective that 10 years is not even it's not no. even a 0.001 of a second when we talk about how things evolve um and yet you're here you are in a position you know at the cutting edge of of this part of the of the industry talking about this utopic vision i mean what does it mean it's got to be important otherwise 
you wouldn't have a team, you wouldn't you wouldn't be in a job, the clubs wouldn't be investing. What does it mean? And what is the basic value of having this th- this aspect of a football club when all we're concerned about, and playing devil's advocate, when we're all we're concerned about is look, the let's face it, the 26,000 people who turn up, the, the shareholders and the manager. They want to make sure that they don't concede any goals on between three o'clock and half past four, quarter to five on a Saturday, and they want to make sure they score one. Let's put it down to brass tacks. And here you are spending the whole of your life and all your studies trying to create a safe space. So, what's that all about in reality? I think what when we talk about player care fundamentally, I think you almost strip the concept back and you say. We're always dealing with humans. We're always dealing with people. At the end of the day, no matter what anyone does, everybody in this building is a human, first and foremost. And I'm under the belief, personally, but also from doing my own research and and looking at everything that's out there, and we know this ourselves, when you're inherently happier as a human, whatever it is that you do for a living, so whether it's an occupation, it's a job, whatever it is, career, however you want to find it, you will be better at it and you will perform much more successfully because you're thriving in all areas. So you're firing on all cylinders because those two, you know, I almost want to say it's like a split personality, who you are kind of when you're doing your job or your occupation and who you fundamentally are as a person. We want to essentially bring that together and go, like we care about you wholly. That, yeah. That's our concern. I mean, as far as we're concerned, we couldn't have better staff that go out there and do everything that they need to do in terms of looking after that when, when they cross that white line. that That's fine. But I think what football's previously lacked is when they come back the other way and it's, it's off the pitch, people have been left to their own devices and it's kind of just been, yeah, you kind of cope with the, you know, the pressure and all the things that come along with it. And I think... I think what people don't quite realise is, and and I, and I feel like I did before because I've been in the game for a long time, but even more so after coming in and, and being very close and, you know, involved in the game. We, we look at footballers and, and particularly the, the wider public look at footballers and say, oh, God, you know, look at the money and, and all these kinds of things, when actually... There's so it's many... It's just a low, a low resolution uh, vision from, from the back page, Abby, isn't it? yeah and and this is the thing and I'm not saying we're all perfect there'll be other things where we probably all of us would currently have something to say about current UK politics I know I certainly would but also because of my job I take that with a pinch of salt and go do you know what we are all humans they're not doing a great job at the moment I personally think that there needs to be something like that in support for a lot of organisations like what we do. I don't think it starts with with sport or football. I think the reason it has done is because of the money. I think if there wasn't, you know, if you're looking at, for example, lawyers, we know that they go through highly stressful um, careers, et cetera. Is there anything that exists for them? I, I don't know. It's probably something that needs looking at, and that's kind of where I'll explore with my PhD and, and bring things from elsewhere but going back to sort of the original question I think yeah it's fundamentally why we want that utopic why we've set that utopic vision is because why not 
you know, they, they might well earn money and they and they might well, um, you know, just kick a football around as people say or whatever. But why even at that point would we not want people to be as happy as possible in any situation? So that's kind of been our vision. And and James Chiffy and I, who work really closely on this project, we we worked together at Beyond the White Line previously, and we shared very much the same vision and the same values and had the same passion for the project. So it's been great to work together on this because when we've looked at it, and, and honestly, people from the outside will probably look at it and go, pipe dream. You know, you never you're not gonna get that. But but our our thought process was why would we not aim high? Why would we not aim for the best that we could possibly provide? I'm not saying we're one hundred percent there yet. But that's our vision and that's our aim. And hopefully we do get there because it is needed. And it's not just needed at this club. It's needed at clubs across the entire UK. It's up and down the board. It's needed from Premier League down to National League, Mm. you know, where players are. They do have spectators. They do get paid to play, et cetera, because all these factors contribute to well-being. So... So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I butchered that a little bit because I'm trying no, to really. what the original thing, but but our reason for the utopic vision is because why not? Why, yeah. why would we not yeah. absolutely aim to do the very best that we can for these players whilst they're with us? And you've only got to look at the stats for uh, bankruptcy, divorce, and the ones that actually do come into the public eye, which is not many, but... Um, watch, watch. We put it under the banner of let's let's be really kind of again, um, low resolution statement of mental health issues of of superstars. You you know the the, the percentage is enormous. So I think that I think probably you're answering that one as well, Abby. In, yeah. in, in that, so you mentioned the beyond the white line. Tell us about the white beyond the white line because that's something I've 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 only um heard of from afar. I, I, I know again in a one-liner what they kind of are in are doing but I don't know any details so I'm sure you can really help us with that yeah so so James got in touch I think it was just after it was, it was just after I'd started at Forest actually about this time 2019 and we, we had a call and instantly we were both of exactly the same mindset of this is what we envision for all you know professional athletes not just in football so James is the CEO and founder of the company so it's a non-for-profit so our aim is in no way to make any money it is purely to you know the vision in kind of one sentence would be we wanted to make sure that all athletes across you know the, the entire landscape have access to support so we we kind of came back to those like fundamental pillars of mental health and well-being and financial support you know in terms of that education behind knowing what to do um education on other things looking at pathways for when they come out of the sport and transition and those were the things that we looked at I mean the majority of the work was done around emotional well-being and, and mental health and throughout the time that we've been working we've helped a lot of athletes some very high profile um and 
that that's kind of our vision. I mean, because James and I have come in to Swansea, it's we're still very much functioning. Um, but obviously, we, we've started this project, and hopefully, what we demonstrate, we do here. Hopefully, that's something that we take back to be on the white line and say, "Listen, this is what we've actually gone into a club and implemented." Um, mm. So hopefully, that'll be almost a, a case study, which I might even you know publish as part of PhD that shows this was our vision. We've gone in, we've actually done it at a club, so. We've not just said, oh, this is what you can do. We've actually demonstrated that it can be done and, yeah, move forward and hopefully moving forward, mm-hmm. other clubs can, can go on to replicate that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Just as a, this is about what you're doing at Swansea, but um, do you know, um, um, do you know Sally Needham at Sheffield United? I mean... Yeah. I, I spoke to Sally uh, recently and um, th- there's, there's a lot of parallels between what you're doing. It, you, it's, it's different, but there's lots of parallels in terms of your your aim, the end aim, which is brilliant. Um, and, it, and it's fantastic here. And there's definitely a groundswell of what you're doing and, you know, there's un, un, it's undeniable that it's needed it, it's it's completely undeniable um into okay so on a daily basis what what kind of things and maybe just just furnishes with a, with some examples uh, abby whatever you feel is fit uh and appropriate what kind of things are you doing and implementing strategically to achieve your utopic vision I think to strip it right back and go from sort of maybe not the day-to-day stuff, but where we've come from strategically. So um, James is our head of wellbeing and development, sits at board level. So we're going right from the top of the organisation and filtering everything so down. So is that, is that, a, is that a, that's not some a position that's, that's um, at every club, is it somebody like that? I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a commitment, isn't it? Oh, from 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 what Swansea have, have put into the project and, and accepted kind of our vision has been nothing short of okay. you know quite drastic and game changing because not a lot of other clubs are doing that. Yeah. So to get their buy-in and their backing it has been, you know, an excellent starting point for us. So so James has gone in there. Um I've come in as, you know, head of player care and I team up I'm the head of the team here. So the we call ourselves the team so we've got myself head of player care head of education um safeguarding officer an edi officer and then we've got a player care an education assistant that sits across the two so i head up that team from a management point of view obviously i sit on the academy management team and what we've currently just been over and this has been it starts at club wide so we did our visions and our values we all sat down in a room and said this is what we want. And we wrote, sort of, we started from scratch and wrote it all again. Then from that, we sat as an academy team and wrote our vision statement and our values and what we wanted to do. Then we wrote that down even further and said, it's great to have that up on the wall, but what does that mean? So day-to-day, process-driven, what does that look like? And we we were just just mm-hmm. about ready to finalise those, those final details. So... We have looked at it very strategically. 
before we've started to put everything in place, which is very nice because you've not we've not just come in and tried to change from the bottom up. We've come in and gone. We we sit at all points. So yeah. across across, you know, coming down the the pyramid, we're kind of all on the same page, which is yeah. really really good. So then from a day-to-day perspective, obviously a lot of things that we cover, a lot of ad hoc stuff, which obviously we don't plan for, but it happens, is, you know, the mental health and and emotional well-being support. So any players that are going through anything quite difficult, and that can be a range of things. That can be from pressures on the field, that can be bereavements, it can be family issues, it can be divorces, especially for the for the younger ones. It can be homesickness, it can be issues with, you know, nutrition, anything to do with their well-being, we deal with those things on a day-to-day basis. Other things we do, obviously a huge part of the program is a life skills program. So we're very conscious that we don't just want to sort of tick boxes with them when they're here but we want to develop lifelong learning so that when they eventually leave us which they will inevitably whether that's they move on to another club they you know god forbid get a, a career ending injury they yeah. go out on loan whatever it is they go on thinking okay i know how to set up a mortgage i know how to do my own bank account i know how to cook relatively nutritious meals you know for every night of the week I know how to, um, you know, look at different options for me career-wise and I know how to write a CV, I know how to write a covering letter. All those things that we probably take a little bit for granted that we learn in regular work as we go through our lives that unfortunately due to their bubble, they don't have those experiences. So that's something that we really need to pick up on and develop their skills so that they can go on into whatever it is they, they decide to do. And and we we also sometimes forget the longevity of football. You know, it's had this conversation. We don't realise that some athletes they don't get a fifty year career like the rest of us do, or a fifty year job. So it doesn't work like that. So, you know, gymnasts is one. Most gymnasts are retired by the early twenties. Done. That's it. Then they have to find something else to do. But it's almost early enough that they still fall back into that pattern of university, etc. Football's different. You sort of hit your peak career at 18, 19, 20. You might play for, if you're lucky, 15, 20 years. And then you're in that middle of your life stage where you go, Mm. I'm kind of a bit lost now. So it's really important for us to prepare them for that and prepare for, I don't want to say real life because they're living real life now, but for life outside of football, I think is Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and another thing that we're very conscious of is I'm very conscious of collecting their feedback too. So we've done, we get a lot of, um, I send out a lot of surveys or we do focus group with the lads to just constantly check in that what we're doing is working for them and making sure that we're not wasting time or resources on things that they don't need and offering them the opportunity to say, this is something we'd want to do or actually now you've said this yeah I'd like to do that so constantly checking in with them that things are working for them because I think we sometimes forget that in football it's very much you do this and it's scheduled and this is that but we don't often 
work that two-way feedback where they come back and say actually you know we really don't like that or we don't want to do that so I, I try and give them a lot of autonomy in the player care program because it's yeah. really important that not one size fits all it'll be different when you go to cl- different clubs yeah. and I want to know what my group of players want to do and I want to give them that best experience possible whilst they're here not just force things upon them that mm-hmm. I think they want to do um yeah. So that's super important. We also get the parents' feedback, which is, again, vitally important to us. We're sending out a survey this week so that we can collect their feedback and hopefully improve the wider academy experience because yeah. it's really important that they also enjoy the journey too. We appreciate that it's really difficult for parents as well. So we support them. We put together an education program together as well for the parents and host families, so making sure that, they understand the expectations, they understand the pathway, they get, you know, key information on nutrition, high performance, all those sorts of areas to make sure that it's great that we do all the work in here, but they also spend a lot of time going home or going to host families. So we want to make sure that the people that are influencing them outside of the academy are influencing them in the right and the positive ways. Um, I feel like that's kind of, Pretty comprehensive, Abby. Yeah. So, and the other aspect is the personal development program. So, again, that ties in a little bit with life skills, but we do, um, I do sessions that I lead myself on personal development for the lads. So we do things like transferable skill checklists. We do a development plan. They pick things that they want to work on from a personal perspective, not football-wise. We put together their transition plans for whenever that may be that they leave. What do they want to do next? they start doing their own work and research on that so that they're a little bit more prepared for when inevitably that time comes that they're going to leave us. So, so yeah, there's a lot going on. We obviously offer an aftercare programme, which comes kind of end of the season to support players that are leaving. And again, part of that is to check on them from a mental and emotional point of view. So making sure that They've not only transitioned well, but they're also coping with the transition well. Mm. And and obviously as part of that as well, they leave, but they also come in. So we do an induction strategy. We play a profile. We try and get as much information about that player when they come through the door so that we can offer the best support yeah. they're here. So that's yeah. kind of you know, all the stuff that goes on daily. It's sporadic. One day it'll look completely different to the other. Um, one day I'll sit down and want to get lots done and a lot of ad hoc, you know, stuff that we didn't prep for will come through the door. Uh, and then other days you might spend one day doing one specific aspect of that. So it is ever-changing, it's dynamic, but it's um, it's very rewarding when you see yeah. that you are really helping people. So, Do you know what? That's so comprehensive. And I just want to kind of summarise that because... It, it, it's fantastic. The things that impress me about all that, Abby, are how much due diligence and time that you've spent as a team, headed up by yourself, um, deeply thinking about what you want to achieve rather than just turning up every day and smashing something and, and, and making it happen and being busy and then looking back in five years and thinking, flipping it, you know, um, we've been climbing the wrong tree here, you know. So, so that's brilliant. Um, you talk about the basic life skills, you know, there's a guy called John Wooden, um, who was to say that he's successful um, basketball coach from the States who was deemed to be the coach of the century. And one of his things was he used to spend the first 
week with his new players, teaching them how to tie shoelaces. I mean... Socks. Make sure they don't get blisters. Exactly. Put your socks on, don't get creases and tie your shoelaces. So, you, you, so, you know, I don't want to see you ever on the floor in a game tying your shoelaces while we're down to, you know, so we've got a player down. Um, and here you are doing the basics. You know, you, you're getting to know your players. Um, we, we always talk about here, and this is... It's also something I'm very, very transparent with the players about. And I think the lads at Swansea have probably been a little bit shocked because I do believe in a little bit of tough love. And and I, and I don't I don't mean tough love in the sense of, you know, strict and authoritarian. I mean it in the sense that if it's something I believe that they can do themselves, I will make them do it themselves. If they need help, I will 100% support. But it's all about that you're almost you're holding the hand a little bit, but eventually, and I'll say this to them, I want to become redundant. I want them to come to me in, in you know, whenever they lead this journey and go, abs, you know, amazing. I honestly will probably never ring you up because I won't need you because you've taught me all the skills that I need to, to move. And, you know, that's the bigger picture for me. When Toby and I, my, my the player care assistant, he's been a great addition to the team. And, and, and I think, we went through a stage of me kind of mentoring where he's a he's a massive perfectionist and I and I I used to be the same. And we overthought stuff and he overthought stuff. And and I said to him, our motto is kind of whatever it comes back to is, is it the best for the player or is it the best for the players if we're talking about something that's group-wise? And that drives us. You know, it's not about us, it's not about the staff. It's not about anybody else. It's about whatever we're thinking about doing fundamentally before anything else, will it help them? Does it make and the boat go faster, yeah? Exactly. So that's the concept that it came from because it was Toby and I like reading, but that that's a book where you go, it just, it helps you drive you in those difficult moments, but also in those hard decision moments, which we have to make on a basis. It's the light that guides you, Abby, to make yeah. your decision, isn't it? Ultimately, yeah? Yeah, because without that, you get caught up in politics. You get caught up in, you know, conflict that's not necessary because if it, when it comes down to it, I'll just say, listen, is it going to help the lads or isn't it? Because that's all I need to know. You know, yeah. and if it isn't, then that's fine. We won't do it. If it will, then I will fight for whatever it is that we need to do to make sure that it gets done. Exactly, exactly. And um, no, I, I, I love that. And, um, you know, you talked about the, the brevity of a player's career, you know, and I remember speaking to um, a pro who said, look, in reality, however way you look at it, I've probably got, um, in my career, if I'm lucky, I'll get three contracts and I've got to make them work for me because I might not be able to get another decent job after this. And then it puts it into perspective that the pressure that that, that they're under, it's not this idyllic lifestyle where everything washes over you and it's just beautiful it's completely the opposite and um you know you've touched on that before about what it looks like from afar and what the reality is um i'd like to know a little bit about your relationship or the club's relationship or your relationship with with parents um and and the reason i'd like to talk about that is because having worked in academies and having coached and having experienced parents um and being a parent um it, it, it's a balance isn't it well it is for me um but how do you how do you 
um, take a stand on the absolutely incredibly important role of parents if if kids are lucky enough to have present parents um how, how does that kind of fit into your 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 work abby i think moving through the years of working at an academy and working with parents it's been i'm not saying there hasn't been challenging times and there's been some difficult times i think what's been a challenge for me creating those relationships has been I would like to think I know a little bit about, you know, the environment and players, et cetera, but I'm also not a parent. So it's quite difficult sometimes to sit in conversations at, at my age and sit across from, you know, grown adults who are saying, what the hell do you know about parenting? You know, you, kids, you know yeah. and, and I, and I fully, fully appreciate that. And I think, again, it comes back to that. I'm just very transparent in the fact that, and, and I said this in the inductions at the beginning of the year, that philosophy of I am purely here to help your son. Yeah. That's it. I don't have any other agenda. I Everything that I do is because I have their best interests at heart. I yeah. want them to thrive here. So I think probably from a player care perspective, we're a little bit more, we get slightly less grief from parents because mm. not making decisions on the field. Mm. And, and from a parent's perspective, I think the issue academies have is, and, and, and I'm not speaking on behalf of every academy because I haven't worked at every academy, but I think we fall foul to our own decisions sometimes. So signing them at you know such a young age and, and setting this, this bar so high from being seven and eight. Expectations, yeah. And it's kind of like, we almost feed our own demons by doing that with the parents because we make this big deal. They have a sign in, they go into the box and they get paraded on a game day and, and they get a signed shirt and on all these kinds of things. And actually when we look back on that in hindsight, when we're having too soon mm. thinking and people are sitting there saying, well, I don't know why they thought he was going to be, you know, this. And I'm thinking, look at what we did, you know, and we so the monster, yeah. Mm. Correct. So we, we've created that monster ourselves, but it's difficult because I always look at it and I take a step back and go, most parents, 99.9%, they only get emotional and, you know, angry and, and sometimes, you know, a little bit aggressive maybe because they're, they're worried about the child. So I, I don't, you know, you you strip it back for that and you go, okay, we're actually both on the same page here. It just mm. looks a little bit different. We're both trying to get to the same end goal. So I'm very transparent with them. I think communication is key. And I think also honesty in that communication. So we do parent voice. So every month we invite representatives from each age group. Okay. And I was very clear going into this year that, if, if we don't have an answer, I will tell you. If we have an answer and it's not the one you want to hear, I'll still tell it you because it's the truth. So I'll go when we get their feedback and try and do whatever I can to make it happen. But if it doesn't, I won't lie to them. I'll go back and I'll be, in, I'll be honest. So because there's no point promising things or saying, oh, yeah, well, we're nearly there when you're not because you're just going to create your own problems because there's no trust then. So I'm always honest. I always try and communicate, you know, as soon as possible or whatever's in the best way, whether that's in person or over the phone. But also, 
I think having them as involved as you can as well. So getting their opinion, getting their feedback. I think we all know that when you're involved in something and you're emotionally invested, but you know that you have a say in it, then we're all a little bit more reasonable when yeah, it comes yeah. to the yeah. time. So I try and make sure that they're included as much as possible. So like I said, branching out that education program so they feel involved in the academy as a whole. It's not, oh, when my boy's there and when he's at home. It's one, it's cohesive. So yeah, probably a multitude of things. Yeah. It, it's it's one that I don't think anyone will ever get perfect because emotions will always run high at the end of the day. This is the dream factory, isn't it? You, it, you know, it is. And I think it's chocolate factory, it's where everybody wants to come and, and the dreams to come true. But unfortunately, that's just not the reality. And what's really hit home for me, what you've said is those honest, transparent, strong, possibly uncomfortable, but much less uncomfortable at the beginning, where you kind of try and paint a picture of the reality of what your child is going to get involved in. And steering away from here's your new shirt here's your new tracksuit here's the big stadium this is what it's going to be like for you in 10 years but look let's not have that let's have the look we will look after your child we are on the same page as you we want the best for them we're going to give them the best of everything we've got but and hear this the reality is that there is an enormous possibility that your boy won't ever step out onto that field as a first team player and if you want to look at the stats he probably won't hear that yeah write it down in the inductions was i I quoted you know the 0.001 percent will make it Mm. now if i sit in a room that's like half a child yeah you know that's like barely anything it's 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 just over a tenth of a of a percent so that's you know and I don't think they realise that. So I always use it. I don't want to say it's a shock tactic, but I I, I bring it to their attention and, and that hits like a there's a real realisation there. And they kind of go, God, that, you know, that's a great point. And I say, and that's even from you getting here. That's not all boys that are playing football. I know. Boys that are in here, in, yeah. in this where you are. Yeah. That's the percentage. So right now, that's your percentage of potential success. It's 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 not even a grain of sand. It's it's so minute. So, but what I highlight in that is, I almost I always describe it as them what out there once it gets to think they'll deal with that one or two percent that go on and you know and whatever. That's kind of everybody else's aim is to get that 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 tenth of a percent to the to where they need yeah. to be. My job is to look after everybody else. So I look after the other 99.9% of them because they'll go on to do something different. So how I explain it is, don't just look at the academy as your child becoming a footballer. Look at the academy of a journey where your child becomes the best person that they can be. So we're not just focusing on football. They're doing life skills. They're doing personal development. We we, we set standards and, yeah. and we set you know, rules that hopefully help them thrive in society and they know how to conduct themselves. And and, and all I ever aim for is whatever I end up going on to do, if I'm still in player care in, you know, 50 years' time and I'm going to be old, but if I am, I'll, uh, you know, all I ever want is any of my ex-players to come up and say, Abs, you know, I'm so glad we had you there because, you know, I knew how to do this. 
I went on, I did this, or I want club where other club members of staff where my players have gone to to say, God, you know, what a what a nice person he is, or you know, he did this or whatever. I remember a phone call we had at we had at Forest. We had a player who had gone on loan from our 23s, as it was at the time, not 21s, yeah. out to um to Blackpool. And the Blackpool yeah. manager rung up our academy manager and said, what on earth are you doing down there? And we were like, uh-oh, what's he mean by that? And he was like, this kid stayed behind. He's cleaned the dressing room. He's mopped the floor. He's he's done this, you know. And and we were like, yeah, that that's... And that's what we do. That's what we do. You know, it's not... You know, he's still a great footballer, but he's also, you know, he's a good person. And that's that's all I ever want. Beautiful. You know, I just want them to go away and, and be the best that they can be and hopefully, you know, contribute positively to society and people come back and say, you know, thanks, Abs, or, you know, you, you did a good job there. They've turned out and they're, they're a nice human. You know what? It, it's it's a great a great narrative to encapsulate what it is you're doing. Um, I was listening to um, the Liverpool Academy manager talking about um, their vision. And um, he talked about, at the end of it, he said, look, at the end of the day, we want to create contributing human beings. And it's so, it's so amazing to hear that and to think that even five years ago, you probably wouldn't have heard that. And here's you, you know, got the board on on you know that the, the the board are on board with you um and, and financing everything you're doing and, and giving you um airtime and resources to achieve that and i think the double-edged sword of that abby as you know is that being a better human being actually increases your chances of making it and having a long career because it's all about the development of those characteristics often which are psychological or, or cognitive, which don't come from practicing techniques. They come from other areas of life, whether that's reading, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a one-to-one, whether it's account, you know, a, a, um, an accountability program um, that because in a 10-year, 15-year career, 20-year career, you can 100% guarantee you're going to have some disasters come across you and if you don't deal with them, you're out. And and that's not only do they have a better life going forward from 35 to when they leave the earthly plane, it actually gives them a better career from 20 to, to 35. Eh? And this is what we try and push because I've been big on this since I started at Forest. So over that sort of three and a half year journey that I am into it, standards don't just happen out there they have to happen when no one's looking to so so and i have this conversation with players i do they'll say oh abs you know you're getting on at me or whatever or you (laughs) because i want you to do the best and i have seen firsthand i have seen players miss out because of bad attitude and poor habits 100 percent players that even I would have thought they'll take them anyway because they're really good. You know, they're a really good player. They'll take mm. them anyway. And they've, they've gone, no, uh, we don't want to deal with him anymore. Or, you know, not a good attitude, doesn't apply himself to the programme. Excellent footballer, but will not make it in professional football because of the the, mm. the 
the personality and the the habits and how they hold themselves accountable it, it won't work and I'm just a big believer of again it's that cohesiveness if you go out there and you're amazing but you come back in here or you go home and you're, you're a nightmare yeah you're a nightmare and, and you slob and you don't do the things that you need to do don't look after yourself you won't you won't make it and you won't thrive because it's truly about bringing all those elements together and being again coming back right full circle to where we started off being the best human that you can be and that doesn't just take into account into account talent it takes into account everything that you do as a human being so and and I'm a big believer that if that's all not in synergy if one of those areas is off other areas eventually will cut it will catch up with you and and you and you will struggle or you won't thrive to to where where you could where you could go or where you could get to so I'm big I I'm a huge believer in that and that's why we push that you know that person first but also mm. be the best that you can be and that means in every aspect it's it's there's so many things coming to mind it's almost it, it's fantastic um and you know I'm a big believer in look in life it doesn't matter what you ultimately in the long run you won't get away with anything that that's what I personally believe I think that we all go through phases and some people go through the whole of their lives thinking they can and but you know uh depends if you believe in Emerson's law of compensation that ultimately you, you won't get away so you might as well get it right now as best you can and you're kind of you know you're filling in all the gaps so that the, you know if you're creating a bucket that doesn't let water out you know it's full of holes and you're filling all the holes so that actually it's, it's brilliant um yeah. you know what, what, it, like we said earlier it's take all that into consideration and it sounds very oh well we're not bothered about performance and that's actually not the case because as i just said there if you start, you know, patching up those areas where you, you maybe not so great or you're lacking, then they contribute when you develop those skills to the other skills. So, yeah. and, and that's the hard thing about player care. And, and that's why we were so happy when Swansea backed this project because it's very hard to tangibly evidence player care impact. So I can't say, oh, I did a one-to-one and he played great on the weekend <laughs> because there are 100 other extraneous variables there that could have contributed to that that I cannot control and I cannot know. There's probably North a million. Ever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably a million. So it's really hard to demonstrate and, and show and evidence, oh, well, this is exactly the impact that player care had. But I'm a big belief believer that, you have to look at the the bigger picture and you have to look at the long term rather than the short term. So what we're developing right now is only in its infancy stages. And I mean, we're at a really good point, but we only want that to grow. And hopefully over the long term, that's when we'll start reaping the benefits and you people will go, bloody hell, you know, they're doing really well. Why is that? And we go, listen, this is what we've put in place. It's been in place for however long. And we're just starting to see you know, the benefits of that now. We've seen benefits already, but they're obviously not on a, you know... Yeah. A, they're just the seeds. Yeah, it's not on a bigger scale. So I'm hoping that at some point we can turn around and say, listen, you know, we finally got to, you know, that utopic vision and look at what's happening. And I truly believe that will happen. Um, but I do think player care contributes to performance, but that shouldn't 
be the number one role. I don't think for people doing my job, it should be the person first and then athlete second and success is secondary, but it will come. So it will happen, but first and foremost, look after the person, look after the human. Yeah, and and I was going to say this a little while ago in the conversation, Abby, and you've touched on it there again, and probably not directly, but indirectly. And, you know, I think it was um, from the art of war, Sun Tzu said, the greatest form of leadership is where those who are being led believe that they've done it themselves, you know, because the leader's completely unconcerned about themselves in terms of credit, glory, celebrity, you know, quiet, silent, facilitating and that's exactly what you're trying to do uh, and it's only when a kind of maturity thought process from the player or or, or, or the young person thinks back and thinks do you know what blimey yeah they were amazing they were and it's not that you want that it's just because that you want them to be uh independent you want them to be uh strong resilient and, you know, I almost think from what you're saying, the evolution of what you're doing may even take it away from a title of player care because almost you don't want to be a, to care for the players. You want them to care for themselves. So it's almost got a, an evolutionary aspect to it from, from that, hasn't it? Yeah, of course it is. It's like when, you know, if you go to CBT therapy, the aim of that, is that you develop the skills to then whenever you're presented yeah. with a situation where you need to cope, you have the skills to do it yourself. So eventually eventually, that counsellor who does the CBT becomes redundant. And that's us. I'm a big believer that if you do this role and it's ego-driven, you will fail. Mm. Don't just fail yourself, you'll fail the players and you'll fail the people that you're working with because you essentially, and I even mean this with my like the staff, so... I gave a lot of autonomy to to Toby when he came in. And I think he was a little bit like, well, oh, you know, that's that's a bit, you know, that's a lot for things. Right. But I said, we should get to a point where if I fell off the face of the earth tomorrow, yeah. you wouldn't panic. Because yeah. you would go, yeah, I can do that. I know everything yeah. that Abby does and I can, I can happily hold my hand up and go, yeah, I can do that because I'm, I'm confident that I've got the skills and, and that's what we're working on at the moment. Obviously, it doesn't happen overnight, but my aim at the end of this year is to get that department to run so functionally that if any one part of us isn't there for whatever reason, it carries on, it goes on. Um, so it can't be ego driven because I essentially want us to become not non-existent because it will always be needed, but I want us to almost get to a place where I'm going. My day's been a bit quiet, you know, and not because because there's nothing going wrong. But it's because everyone has the autonomy and the ability to solve those problems for themselves. And and, and and there will be times when people do need help. And that's, you know, we're always going to be here for that. But that's essentially where you want to get to. Yeah. And you've actually there encapsulated a question that I was going to answer. And it's kind of just evolved anyway, because the conversation has been so great as to where you want to get to. Not as a, not, certainly not personally. Okay, yeah, personally, but also from a team and a and an organisation perspective. Um, so I'll be. I'm conscious that uh, we've kind of um, reached the uh, or reached the time that you know. I know you've got something else pressing that you need to get to. Not a problem. It's been a pleasure. I've really, really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I could talk for 
probably another hour at least, if not more than that on. I've got I've written about seven or eight things here I wanted to ask you about, but maybe it'll be really good at some point to um catch up again and uh, and talk again because this has just been absolutely fantastic. Um you know you for me you're really doing some great things. Your humility shines through. Um you know you're not blimey for for somebody so young you've done so much and and you know the value of you know gritting your teeth being courageous and brave enough to go to the states to go to greece to get on with it and as you you said yourself that is what forges a character and a person that then enables the the work that you're doing in my opinion um because without that you wouldn't be who you are so i think you deserve more credit than you probably give yourself and i know you don't want that because um you know but that fits in with look this is only my opinion with, with what you're doing but um i'm gonna just let you go because i know you've got a busy day this has been brilliant um yeah let's we... we can pick up a couple of months time hopefully yeah. we'll do a little bit more work by then and hopefully i'll have some new exciting things to to, uh, to tell you so yeah i'd love to rob that's great thank oh, you brilliant. listen i can't thank you enough for giving me uh the, the time i know what it's like in in in, in the pro game it's uh it, it's not easy um i respect the fact that you've done it because not not all people in pro football are prepared to do that um it says book it's about you about you you know and, and, and swansea as well so um i'm going to wish you all the best abby and um Thanks for, for joining us on Leader Managed Coach. It's been um, absolutely brilliant. Thanks, Rob. Absolute pleasure. The Leader Manager Coach podcast is available via the Leader Manager Coach app. Download it now to access the rich resource of unique, insightful and educational material to help you on your own journey in football, sport and life. Leader Manager Coach. For the game. For life. Available now on Google Play and Apple App Store.